pop quiz, hotshot. You're about to listen to a podcast. You discover that it might contain spoilers for the movie Speed. What do you do? What do you do? Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Craig Morris, and this week's movie is Speed. So... Get ready to start a relationship based on intense circumstances, and let's get diabolical. Today, I'm joined by our panel of peril. Please introduce yourselves and tell us, what is your favorite v v I was wondering if you'd get that right first time. It's a hell of a mouthful. It's a tough one. Please introduce yourselves and tell us, what's your favourite vehicular disaster movie? Hello, I'm Adam Turner, and my favourite uh, disaster movie involving a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see what I did there? <laughs> is, is 1972's Duel. Nice. I'm Ben Steinson. And my favourite movie that involves a disaster and a vehicle in some way <laughs> is Airplane. Oh, very nice. And my name is Gaz Slade. I apologise for my croaky throat. And my favourite vehicular disaster film, I believe there's only one pick, and that is Mad Max Fury Road. Wow, yeah, that's a good one. Well, as for me, my favourite vehicular disaster movie is Apollo 13. Mm. Mm. And... Uh, since we're talking about speed and we haven't encountered this particular gentleman yet, could you also tell me what is your favourite Keanu Reeves movie? Well, I've got to have to go for the obvious one, The Matrix. I'm sorry it's dull, but that's just the way it is. It's fine. It's a good choice. Mine's a toss-up between two. The first is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and the second is a more recent outing in the SpongeBob movie, Sponge... <laughs> Out of Water, Sponge on the Run. I forget what it's called, but that, Keanu Reeves plays. Right. <laughs> but Keanu Reeves plays a, a character called Sage, who's like an all-knowing sage. Mm, hence the name. Exactly. <laughs> it's not just. <laughs> uh, so it's not just a clever name. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go uh, similar to Turner, but I'm going to say The Matrix Resurrections. Oh I my think it's God. very clever and didn't quite get the credit it deserved. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, yeah, it didn't deserve it. It's maybe intended for a slightly different audience, but uh, I also really enjoyed it. Perhaps unsurprisingly, my favourite Keanu Reeves movie is Speed. But I'd also like to take the opportunity to champion his appearance in Sam Raimi's uh, The Gift because I think his performance in that is uh, incredible, and it's kind of a lesser seen one. And if you want to see a different side of him. So the sort of California surfer dude is definitely where I would send you. I'm surprised nobody said uh, the day the earth stood still. I thought that would be high on some people's Keanu Reeves canon. Never seen it. Yeah, I was going to say, people would have to see it to recommend it, surely. I've never seen it either. <laughs> well, uh, I'd recommend not seeing it because it is dreadful. <laughs> for the second time so the the facts will be slightly different but hopefully nonetheless uh, interesting 1994's Speed marked the sea change in the viewing public's perception of Keanu Reeves 
Still years away from the Matrix, it cemented him as an action star after his prior turn in bromance action classic Point Break failed to shake off his well-established beach bum persona. As if this early Keanuessance wasn't enough, Speed also made a megastar of Demolition Man breakout Sandra Bullock, who would remain the face of the franchise in fine but forgettable sequel Speed 2. Reeves wasn't the only teen heartthrob reinventing himself in 94, with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise showing their chops in Interview with the Vampire, and Neighbours Guy Pearce blazing a trail in the year's second greatest bus movie, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. In world events, buses were given a new route from England to Disneyland Paris, as the Channel Tunnel was officially opened by Queen Elizabeth. Us wacky Brits were too busy spaffing our bus fare on lottery tickets, as the first UK national lottery was drawn. Speed puts the passengers of a speeding LA public bus at the whim of a madman, Howard Payne, a disgruntled retired bomb squad cop who has rigged the vehicle to blow if it slows to below 50 miles per hour, and has vowed to manually detonate his bomb should the police department attempt to disembark any of his hostages, including LAPD SWAT officer Jack Traven, who has himself boarded the bus. In a minute, I'll ask you for some general thoughts on the movie, but first... The screenplay is endlessly quotable. Do you have any favourite lines? Uh, I have one, which I thought was excellent. Um, it's uh, from Patrick Fischler in the elevator scene at the start, the, the fella from Mad Men and um, various David Lynch films. <laughs> Actually, now that I've thought about it, I don't think it is him. I think I've put two notes together. <laughs> I think it's someone <laughs> saying this to him. He pushes the uh, <laughs> He pushes the button for the floor and the lift drops. And he goes, Jesus, Bob, what did you press? Got got a laugh out of me. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And the, the same guy also, I think, says to him when he pushes the button to call the elevator, the light was on, but you really never know. <laughs> that guy was yeah. a, a douche. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's just co- corporate douche. He's, he was repping corporate douche America. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy from the Microsoft Excel launch advert. If you haven't seen that, I highly recommend that as well. It's fucking bonkers. Oh, I've got one more line written down. Sorry. I thought I only had that one. It's on uh, the bus when he's first making the phone call to the precincts and uh, he's taking a look under the bus and he sees the bomb and Keanu goes, fuck me. And Alan Ruck is like passing the message on over the the phone. And Alan Ruck just goes, oh, darn. (laughs) That's his translation. (laughs) Anyone else got any favorite lines? One of my favorites occurred in like the opening scene. Dennis Hopper's character, Howard Payne, is walking to the uh, the elevator shaft to do some maintenance. And there's a guy already in there, and uh, he just says he says to the guy who's already in there, "Sir, nothing personal." And just stabs him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got that as well. Uh, yeah, and, and nothing personal. And he just sticks a, a screwdriver through his ear, and the guy goes, "Yeah." Yeah. as well <laughs> i was like i've made a note he says he says the same thing to annie when he straps a, a bomb to her chest oh right nothing personal it's a little recurring theme for him and then my my absolute favorite was a little exchange sandra bullock's uh, character is in control of the vehicle she's struggling with it and she says jack i can't hold this anymore jack replies hold on <laughs> <laughs> good advice yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that on board. <laughs> I was just about to let go, but... <laughs> There's some truly awful script in this. He was wondering if maybe she'd forgotten the principles of how to hold something, and he was just reminding her. Turner, you have any favourite lines? Yeah, well, I've got 
Well, the one, my one favourite line that wasn't obvious, you know, there's all the um, pop quiz asshole, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just liked it because it was a really, I think it was just a terrible, terrible line delivered in the most wooden way possible by our um, main uh, protagonist. He's, he's there when, when the guy's got... Um, the gun on the bus and he's like, get me off the bus, get me off the bus. And Keanu Reeves is like, I'm not a cop right now. See, we're just two cool guys hanging. And like, <laughs> and the other guy jumps in. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I don't care about your crime. Yeah, that's it. It's just that whole sequence, but that particular line just before he gets tackled by the other guy and the bus driver gets shot on the arm and reacts really terribly. He goes, <laughs> it's just like madness. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, I don't care about obvious, my favorite exchange is and, and always was and always will be i'm smarter than you jack yeah but i'm taller it's fucking great one of the all-time cold put downs i mean it's stupid as hell right but that's why i love it yeah that that's followed up shortly by he lost his head yeah <laughs> yeah and she doesn't ask for clarification <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh in general what did you think of the movie well I think I might be an outlier here. The first line in my notes says, I thought it sucked shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit harsh in hindsight, but I really didn't enjoy it, which surprised me because I used to love it. I thought the opening sequence with the elevator was just so lame. The opening credits going down the elevator shaft with cheesy fucking straight to video music sucked <laughs> my notes about that say simply how about that opening credit font hey smiley face <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i've got similar kind of note myself yeah hasn't it got whoosh noises as well for when they appear yeah <laughs> speed <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've put um cheesy dialogue bad pacing just waiting for them to get on the fucking bus <laughs> no i've put once you get on the bus it's great it's it's uh, it's you know the nineties action movie formula of Die Hard, but on or in, and you can't really miss with it. But then they get to LA, LAX and driving in a completely straight line isn't particularly exciting, and I wasn't a fan of the train sequence either. So yeah, I surprised myself by how much I disliked it. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, I I I feel similar. I've made the similar notes. I put. Yeah, title scene sliding and popping towards the screen and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the bit that I was like, made my eyes roll almost out of my head was um, <laughs> right at the start, Jeff Jeff Daniels' flying car just goes... Just go, <laughs> amazing. Like, it's like diagonal as well. <laughs> I thought that was, a, that was a great way to introduce the characters. I thought that was, that really set the scene. Oh my God. I was just, I was just like, oh, I, and I, and then I, I was like, you guys, I was like, I don't remember it being this cheesy and this shit. And sure enough, it, it didn't get much better. I'm sure within the logic of the film, they've closed the entire block down for this hostage situation. But all I could think of with that fucking car flying through the air was, what if there's just someone crossing the road? <laughs> he would have had a fucking clue and just pancake them. <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> That's something else, isn't it? There's like, uh, in, look, when we're on the speeding bus later on, they've got the, the, the classic car chase uh, obstacles to avoid. The woman pushing the pram. With the baby in it, or yeah. the baby at the time. <laughs> cans, it's, it's full of cans. cans. It's cans. It's full of cans. <laughs> What's the deal with films with stuff full of cans, like shopping trolleys and things like that? I don't know. 
I, I can't remember last time if if somebody's if somebody's listening and they can remember the most recent film with a, a shopping trolley full of cans getting hit by a car being chased or something or a speeding bus. Please let us know. Homeless people in in America collect cans to get the trading money for taking them to recycling centers. Yeah, but are they always are they always crossing the uh, the road? Uh, the right time for a high speed pursuit and stuff like that. That's my that's my uh, <laughs> yes. issue with this yeah. particular um, prop, as it were. They tend to follow the people carrying a plate of glass. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a guy winching down a grand piano from a top floor flat. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, it, it, I didn't. Yeah, again, I was I was like, I find it quite tedious at points, to be honest. One of the biggest things for me was I didn't like Dennis Hopper as a baddie. I thought I thought he was just crap. Yeah, he was crap. <laughs> it was funny because it was. Uh, I was thinking, well, what other films was he in at the time that I actually thought he was good? Because he's he's quite a good actor in in some films. And True Romance was the year before, and I was like, I'd prefer to watch True Romance again rather than watching Speed ever again. I think you you enjoy the racism in the True Romance um, monologue, don't you? That's um, libelous. As far as I'm concerned, so um, prepare to hear from my lawyers. Slander labels in print. Well, you know, potato, potato. He can uh, he can print out a transcript. <laughs> uh, Dennis Hopper was excellent in Blue Velvet, but that was like a decade before, I think, eighty-five or eighty-six. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any any thoughts? Yeah, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I, I enjoyed it, and particularly the, the whole sequence on the bus. I thought it was just great, and yeah, I, I thought you know the start was okay. It had to set the scene, and that was fine. But then I felt the ending. It's like a cut and shut. It was like two different vehicles. It was madness. I mean, I know there's a train and a bus, but not that kind of thing. I mean, it didn't feel like that ending was actually originally of that movie. I wonder if the movie had ended after they got off the bus and then the studio said, no, this isn't long enough. We need to tack something on. Because there was the train line was out again, like matching the road being out. So that's already been done once. There was absolutely no reason for Sandra Bullock's character to be downtown after afterwards. It wasn't logical within the within the world of the film, so I I wonder if that was a bit of studio meddling or what what happened there. But once they got off the bus, I, I started to yeah yawn basically. What that might have been is Joss Whedon was the script doctor on the film, as he was for quite a lot of big action films at the time. So, like you say, that might very well have been a studio note to him: fix this in the script. We want this. He did that for Waterworld and quite a few other films as well. I think didn't he? Joss Toy Story. Toy Story, yeah. Yeah, did a lot of those kind of jobs. All right. Well, for my part, I mean, I, I think it is oof. It's kind of the, the top tier of 90s clag action movies. I don't mind that it's cheesy. I think that's one of the things I enjoy about it. I think Dennis Hopper is suitably unhinged. I've got no issues with his performance. I, I quite liked him too, I must say. It's, it's just a fun, dumb actioner that's not meant to be competing, you know, for plot and pacing and that kind of thing with the the more worthy films of the time. But uh, what I, I did notice a couple of things that bug me, things that don't usually bug me when I watch it. Yeah, I, I think just reflecting on it now, I think the issue is with me is that the bus, the sequence on the bus, which is the most part of the film, was so good, it made the rest of it look awful in comparison. That's it. I think they were they, they, they got the sort of yeah. tunnel vision, didn't they? And then go, we've got to get these people on the bus where they keep it. But that's the premise of the whole movie. And then everything else is just filler, isn't it, really? And they, they needed to, I think nowadays, yeah. they'd probably either do it all incredibly badly or they'd actually find 
a way to keep it interesting either side of that. I like the list sequence. I think it's not visually executed particularly well, but I like the dialogue exchanges between uh, Keanu Reeves and um, Jeff Daniels in that bit. That's good. I like the bar bit after that. And yeah, I don't particularly dislike the train sequence. Obviously, it has my favourite bit of dialogue in it, and I think it would have been extremely dissatisfying if they hadn't caught up to him after the, the hostage situation. Not sure how else they would have done that. Well, perhaps we'll share that later on. <laughs> well, indeed, yeah. So, yeah, the uh, the things that bothered me during this viewing, and I think because I was watching it with intentionally with more of a, a critical eye, the performances of the bus passengers are, are uniformly awful, <laughs> including Alan Ruck from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All of his shit about, like, uh, I already seen the airport, and uh, I, I think the O'Don one is fine, but everything else he says... He's like, oh, that's funny. You missed it. It's like, what What are you doing? Did you not want to be in this? And everybody else is just terrible. And one other thing I noticed, which might reveal some other clues about the, the train sequence, is that the train driver, who is shot without delivering any lines, is the guy from the Lost World, Jurassic Park, who uh, saves the rest of the from the T-Rex attack, only to be ripped in two by the, the T-Rexes. He was also in like the West Wing and a bunch of other things. You mentioned the uh, the police at the bar. I've just got a, I've got a line here that just says police bants. <laughs> I thought that was pretty painful. Mm, yeah, I love it. The reason is, and again, I was reflecting. I think why is it so bad? Because it's common. Whenever you, you try to get that fast-paced banter in a film or a TV show, it's really hard to get. And I think it's because usually when you do it in a pub or whatever, you're all talking over each other. Yeah, but you have to space it out. Yeah, in a film, you, you can't you can't just feel. Like speaking over each other, and I think that's what it is. So it just—it's just that half a beat off, but that's enough to make it feel odd. I don't—I thought it was deliberate. It's tropey and cheesy, in that I'm only a day away from retirement kind of way. You know, like when I watch Predator, I'm not going, "Wow, this dialogue's really believable." I'm just going, "This dialogue's fucking cheesy as hell, and it's great." What's not to love about the the Predator dialogue? Brilliant. Yeah, but it's not it's not like Tarantino dialogue, right? It's not observed. No, it's better. People don't speak to each other like that. I reckon Arnie does. What's the matter? Say I got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy on yourself, Dutch. <laughs> you goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> you keep making noise like that. I'm gonna bleed you. Real quiet. Leave you here. <laughs> See? There you go. Tarantino eat your heart out. Banter. Classic banter. <laughs> Talking about uh, Dennis Hopper as the uh, as the madman. Is it a trope in Hollywood that kind of deranged lunatics or or evildoers have a mannequin in their lair somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a horror film image, that isn't it? Yeah, it happens a lot, right? Yeah, I thought you were going to say, is it a trope for the the villain to have a physical deformity, and it obviously it is. More of a James Bond type uh, cliche. Yeah, true. Mm. And then my final one, and this is a plus, I thought when the bus crashed into the plane, that was pretty awesome. That was a good explosion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was the first one, first like big effect. That I thought, wow, they actually did spend a lot of money doing that. I absolutely love the score in that bit where they fly out from under the bus together on that trolley and they're like holding each other, smashing through all those, not traffic cones, but you know, the, the, the stick ones. Uh, I, I cry. 
I tear, I fist pump the air. And then I watch the movie. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I've got a, bit, a little bit of trivia about that that I forgot to add. When it crashes into the plane at the end, the, the logo on the um, on the side of the plane is Pacific Courier. And this is a fictional company which also appears in what we've a film we've already mentioned, Die Hard, on the side of the truck. The terrorists used to drive underground and enter the building from the basement because Yander Bond worked on Die Hard as well. Bit of trivia. Nice bit of trivia there. Interesting. Did not know that. Must be tired after that. Oh, flabbergasted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At the very end, the kind of film saved itself a little bit with all the voyeurs perving on Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves getting it on in the train. They're all just standing outside this train that's just <laughs> appeared from nowhere and they're just looking in, smiling, <laughs> watching them smooch. It's like a Bond film-esque, that, isn't it? Like, 007, are you there? No, he's necking on with some bird. He's keeping the Los Angeles end up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I say so. (laughs) A couple more bits. Uh, There's two examples of a cardinal sin for me on film, um, which is eating acting, which I just fucking despise. (laughs) Uh, Keanu Reeves chewing gum during the elevator scene, speaking while he's chewing gum. And then Jeff Daniels, uh, when he's back in the office for the first time after he's been shot right next to his cock. He is just constantly eating while he's on the phone and it's like why the hell would you make this decision to be crunching through food flapping your gums as wide as you fucking can (laughs) i hate it i absolutely hate it (laughs) i think that might be personal to you well yeah (laughs) dennis hopper also eats a kit kat at one point as well (laughs) really well he's got to have a break yeah that's it (laughs) yeah i think uh Actors, actors who talk about doing it, it's to keep their hands busy when they don't know what to do. Like uh, David Suchet, famously before he played Poirot, played Inspector Jap, and he would sit and eat uh, in every scene because he just didn't know what to do. <laughs> and uh, how do you feel about Brad Pitt eating on the phone in Fight Club? That bother you? I think it's really funny. Yeah, that's that's intentional though, isn't it? And also in uh, Ocean's Eleven, I think he's eaten the entire way through <laughs> through the film. That's not so bad. Yeah, I think it's always intentional. Mm, it's an arbitrary decision, though, I think, to Keanu Reeves in lieu of any actual character insight and particularly acting skill at that time, uh, to just be like, I'm just going to chew gum during this scene. <laughs> yeah, but the actual motion of him moving his jaws up and down while chewing probably at- actually adds to his... Uh, performance because he's so wooden anyway that actually anything you can get from him extra is a one a lovely bonus <laughs> i don't know how you can maintain that bullshit line about him being wooden i have just maintained it sir i have just maintained it i mean what about the bit where he's clinging to the bus rail and having an absolute fucking breakdown because he's realized they've got no hope <laughs> i mean he i think he's a he's a good actor and i think his character isn't developed because it isn't on paper. It's a cipher. It's an action movie trope character. I mean, what's he meant to read into it? I thought it was all right. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with him in this, really. I say, what? Well, watch, watch the gift and watch which. What's the Ken Branagh movies in? Much to do about nothing. No, or Midsummer Night's Dream. One of the comedies. Yeah, I think it is. It's, I think it's much to do about nothing. Yeah, and it, watch him in that, and then you know he's he's not a bad actor. He just he's 
started off in those surfer roles and, uh, you know, found it difficult to shake the reputation they got from that. Yeah, he, he plays with strengths later on in his career, obviously, like uh, with Matrix and stuff like that. And John Wick, he's the strong, silent type. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. I don't I don't think that that's fair either because he really plays against type in the movies I'm talking about. So. Mm, that's why they're probably not so good for me anyway. I don't think he's got the chops to carry it off mm-hmm. at that time. No. Ideal world, Gaz. If you could recast that, who would it be? Keanu Reeves' role? Yep. Jack Traven. With someone someone from the time or just anybody? From the time. From the time. Ooh. The fucking echo uh... in here. <laughs> if, you'd have said, if you'd have said any time, I would have called shenanigans. You just said our pats. I'd go. You can't just cast Jack Lemon in anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go for um, maybe someone, someone like Val Kilmer. In his prime, he could um, he could do it all. He was he was a handsome motherfucker. He had he had the chops. He could do comedy, drama. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, so that would be my pick. It's a good call. I'll go through a few more things uh, off my list of criticisms. Then Gaz crit list. <laughs> <laughs> I've just put LA looks like an absolute shithole in the film. Just a concrete hellscape that you'd never want to visit. Yeah, it doesn't look nice. It's so ugly, the film, the cinematography of the city itself. Why do you think that is? It's a bus route, isn't it? It's not, you know, bus routes don't go through uh, through Rodeo Drive. Yeah, but by the same token, it's fictional. You can have it go wherever you want. Needn't even be in LA. You could have set it in New York. That would have been interesting. Impossible to get to 50 miles an hour, I would imagine. But <laughs> Yeah, gridlock. Just set the bomb for 10 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking for oh, the, the sequence where Keanu Reeves is first trying to get onto the bus and he commandeers the, the black guy's car, Tune Man. And it's kind of, it's played for comedy that this LAPD guy is jumping on this African-American in his car. And he says, it's my car, it's mm, my car. Carjacking, mm. yeah. yeah. I suppose it washed at the time, but now knowing what we know about the police, now people have got mobile phones to film what they're actually doing. I don't know. It, it 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 left a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth, to be honest. Yeah. Do you know what that guy's character is listed as? Jaguar man. Oh, really? Jaguar man, actually. <laughs> he pops up in Speed Two. He's uh, staying at a resort that the the uh, boat crashes into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's my resort. It's my resort. <laughs> How can the same shit happen to the same guy with two different vehicles? I know. <laughs> and he was only a day for retirement as well. <laughs> the movie opens with Jack and his partner Harry foiling Payne's attempt to ransom a lift full of hostages with Payne seemingly falling foul of his own explosives. When Payne resurfaces, very much unexploded, he takes the opportunity to exact revenge on the pair by luring them into his carefully laid traps, fated to die along with the hostages he has no intention of releasing once he gets his money. Toying with Traven at every step, Payne isn't shy about revealing the motive and method behind his diabolical plot. Dissatisfied with the standard gold watch he receives for his retirement, Payne uses it in crafting the bomb he places on the bus where the bulk of the action takes place, intentionally tipping off Harry as to his identity, leading him to Payne's house, which is rigged with explosives that end his life. Meanwhile, he detonates a bomb on another bus at a time and place he's certain Jack will see, 
close to a convenient nearby public phone he uses to invite Jack aboard the bus that couldn't slow down. Jack attempts to dupe Payne into believing he's pulled his scheme off, but when Payne realises his hostages have been covertly rescued, he takes Jack's new paramour, plucky passenger Annie, strapping her in a bomb vest with a remote detonator and cuffing her to a railing on a runaway subtrain. Payne is finally thwarted by an ink dye pack that ruins his cash and prompts him to stupidly engage the much younger and taller Jack in physical combat on top of the speeding locomotive where he loses his head. Literally. What did we think of Payne's scheme? I thought it was fucking stupid. <laughs> but it's the cinematic equivalent of Sideshow Bob stepping on rakes over and over again. Oh, fuck that one up. What? Oh, I fucked that one up. <laughs> I actually thought it was very clever and well well orchestrated. I don't think you could have done anything about Keanu Reeves and uh, Jeff Daniels' characters because they were unforeseen. But what I will say is this. $3.5 million doesn't seem like an awful lot of money. 3.7? Yeah, he's not greedy though, is he? I think, isn't it 3 million in the beginning and 3.7 for the for the bust afterwards or something? Yeah, he ups it 700,000 for no reason. So it costs, I guess. Bombage costs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I've been inconvenienced by a couple of weeks, so fuck it. <laughs> it felt like a Dr. Evil moment. It's like, uh, I demand... Three million dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suspect if we're playing devil's advocate, it's because he is a former officer and probably is aware of what the limit of the kind of money they would give to someone in that situation would be and where they would go, no, nah, fuck this, let's just try and kill him. So if he said 3.8, they'd just go, no, blow up the bus, it's fine, can't afford it. <laughs> Potentially, yeah, you know what bureaucracy is like. Oh, Yeah. But yeah, uh, I thought it was slightly, yeah, I don't know. When he, when he upped it for the second one, I was just like, oh, God. But I was just not enjoying the film at that point anyway, so I was just like, just get it over and done with, will you? Any thoughts on his scheme or just, just the amount of money that he was asking for? Uh, I thought he should have really, if he if he wanted them to pay it, because they were, they were trying to delay him, weren't they, and stuff like that. If he'd probably gone for something that was a bit more affordable say like half a million he probably could have got to like done a few more bombs and um got the money eventually you know they would have paid him a bit quicker got done in installments that's it installment plan (laughs) so wait instead of asking for one big 3.7 million score by threatening to blow up one bus he should have had lots of different bombs all at once or over the course of a few weeks well, this, we're straying into plots here now, aren't we? Alternative plots. So this is not my plot, by the way, but I just wish it was. Yeah, we're we'll getting a glimpse behind Turner's curtain here. Quickly scribbling down some extra notes. No, I thought, I thought he was quite clever. His forgeries, everything was quite meticulously planned. Like I say, he, he couldn't predict Jeff Daniels' character and, and uh, Keanu Reeves' character for the elevator incident. But once he had that knowledge then he could have done something about it. And that's what I'll go into later. But um, I thought it was worth a solid four florets of broccoli. <laughs> not not the lowest, not the highest. It's quite, it's in the middle, isn't it? I think it's, uh, it's on a par with Goldfinger, I believe. This is the part of the show where our panel of peril compete for the title of this week's Most Diabolical and with it, the honour of choosing next week's movie and hosting the show. Howard Payne wanted a shitload of money he didn't earn, and he planned to get it 
by threatening to blow up the passengers of various conveyances, but the plan was unsuccessful. Adam, what would you have done differently? Well, Howard Payne wants wants his money, but he could have taken an installment plan, which is a, a scheme that I wish I'd written about, but, you know, I, I didn't have the, the foresight at the moment, and obviously I needed more than one brain. And with the input of you three, I wish I'd written that one, but I'm going to have to stick to the one I've written. So he wants his money, and he wants a revenge on the department for getting a shit retirement watch, essentially. So he plans to retire and set up a new shop, repairing all those kinds of uh, dodgy new Apple products that seem to be flooding the market at, at that time in 1994. On the day before he retires, his team attends a big job where to dismantle a bomb hidden in a candy bar machine in a leisure center. But it turns out it's not a candy bar machine. It's a soda machine. And it blows up next to them just before our antagonist, Howard, enters the building and blows up his team in front of his eyes, blowing him back from the building, minorly injuring, but obviously the PTSD he suffered as a result of that incident is immeasurable, essentially. It turns out his boss takes the blame for the mistake. He is sacked for gross negligence and his mistake in identifying the wrong machine. And Howard Payne receives PTSD settlement through workers' compensation. And hence, he gets revenge on his colleagues and he gets his money. What? <laughs> <laughs> And that is why I didn't spend any more time on that plot. <laughs> Hang on. This ain't getting no two so, sides of A4, son. His plan <laughs> is to, to set up an Apple repair shop and then by coincidence, a soda machine kills his colleagues and he gets money. Oh, no, he he, he, he does that. He blows up that as well. Yeah, that's his. That's him. Oh, he didn't say that. So he's the one who, who okay. Yeah, he's the, he's the one that does it. And he. All right, I'll add that to my notes. Because you you didn't mention that you just said that he's yeah I should have uh, sorry I forgot to mention that he 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 sets up a bomb in a soda machine okay that's funny because I filled in that blank for myself that he he'd done it <laughs> I honestly would have said that Tina had said that <laughs> no he didn't and I was thinking but I thought the only way that's possible is if he had planted it himself <laughs> no I didn't I didn't on my previous plots I've t- I've typed it all out and this one's handwritten and then I haven't touched it for like a week so didn't bother reading it either no. <laughs> So Payne plants a bomb in a soda machine. Correct. And then the team that he's on, which is from an Apple repair shop, that are sent to deal with this bomb. No. No? No, they're his bomb. He's the day before he retires. Okay, so this this plan has to happen before he gets the reason to be disgruntled. In the past. <laughs> yeah. The whole reason he sets up the Apple yeah. rep- the uh, the repair shop to repair dodgy Apple products is it's a cover story for him. They'll be like, oh, he's uh-huh. all set up now. He's happy. He's going to retire and just go repair IMAX and stuff like that. But he doesn't he doesn't get disgruntled until he retires. No, but he knows he, he knows he's going to get the watch. He knows that already, and he's going to get a shit payout. Okay. So he's 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 already disgruntled. I think in the in the last few months you'd know that to be fair. Yeah, but he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd see you'd see Jill from accounts getting a shit watch, and he'd be like, "Surely I'm not getting this," and she'd be like, "Oh no, everybody gets this watch." He'd be like, "Bloody Jill, Jill from accounts." Yeah, he doesn't just retire, does he? He gets gets injured, doesn't he? And he's forced into early retirement by his injury, so there wouldn't have been any period of months leading up to his his retirement. Mm. 
But he, he, it's the day before he retires, though, and then he gets injured a bit. And then he gets PTSD, so he's forced to retire anyway, and he gets the big payout from PTSD. And there is... Oh, well, the PTSD's real? Hey? His PTSD's real? No, no, of course not. <laughs> but he, that's what he says. Okay. That's what he uses to. That's what he uses to extract the money. Right. This is two slightly deaf old men in a pub arguing. <laughs> this is genius. I love it. It's like trying to trying to piece together a, a three year old story. Uh, what do you mean two deaf old men? I heard what he said. He's said, just talking bullshit. I said slightly deaf. I'll slightly deaf you in a minute. <laughs> that's why I've only sp- spent half a page of A4 doing it. That was fucking absolute nonsense. Well done. <laughs> the installment plan one though would be brilliant. I can always I could always riff an installment plan one if you like. Right, yeah. Pretend that's what your plan was and just say that. I've got my, my three word plan to a two word plan, now to a one word plan. Installments and then just end it there. No, no it's gotta be two words. It can't just be installments. Installment plan. <laughs> Hyphenate it. <laughs> okay. I'll just do that. All right, thanks, Adam. Uh, ben, uh, <laughs> 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 what would you have done differently? Well, Howard Payne's carefully planned scheme in the office block was very nearly a success, as we discussed earlier. And who could have foreseen the sheer heroic brilliance of Jack Traven? No one. That's who. But success in any endeavor, as we all know, relies upon one's readiness to learn from one's experiences. And this is where Payne's arrogance cost him. Rather than keeping his eyes on the cash prize, he made the fatal decision to toy with Jack. A maverick, yes, but clearly a very capable one. This is where my plan would differ. Before attempting another ransom situation, my primary goal would be to rid myself of Jack Traven. I'd carefully monitor his movements, his routines. Where does he go regularly? The police station? Sure. A favourite bar? A coffee shop? Yes. The Firehouse Coffee Shop, the perfect location for my revenge. Now knowing that Jack loves to start his day with coffee and a snack, especially when he's hungover, I'd prep my blue-collar overalls, forge a couple of work orders, and get down to the Firehouse bright and early on the morning after the award ceremony. Hey, buddy, the city sent me over to check drainage connections in the area. A couple of neighbours have complained. Goddamned ancient pipes breaking my balls. What are you going to do? With such a seamless performance, the owner, Vinny, would naturally let me behind the counter where I'd get to work. I'd hide a discreet explosive device somewhere no, nobody would ever think of looking. With the bond planted, it would be time to sit back and watch the show. Hey, buddy, all looking good back here. Time for a goddamn break. <laughs> Can I get one of your delicious coffees and hold the anchovies? (laughs) I'd find a table off to the side and sit down. Minutes later, Jack would stroll in hungover, ready for his usual. He'd exchange some sexist banter with Bob the bus driver, who'd then leave. Jack would go to do the same. Hey Jack, you forgot your muffin, Vinny would call out. Chuckling at his own forgetfulness, Jack would grab the muffin and make to leave again. As he did so, he'd take a bite of his delicious muffin hearing the briefest popping sound before his head exploded, raining bone and brain <laughs> into the surrounding frappuccinos. I'd just like to add here, it's a, a widely known fact that no one ever checks muffins for hidden explosives. <laughs> With Jack gone, my next ransom situation, being an office, an airport or a taxidermist, would be a guaranteed success. 
and I'd be $3.5 million richer. All right. I don't think I have any follow-up questions at this time. So, yeah, what would you have done differently? Can't question perfection. (laughs) During his misspent youth, Howard Payne encountered many setbacks. When he was five years old, try as hard as he might, the young man just could not get to grips with riding his bicycle. He would fall off, graze his hand, forearm, knee or shin and cry. But his father would not let him be upset for too long. Come on, he'd say in his gruff North Yorkshire tone. Get back on horse, meaning bike. There's (laughs) never only one chance to get things right in life. And little Howard would get back on the bike. And he might stay on a little longer until he fell back off and hurt himself once again. But eventually, (laughs) he just might keep his balance and be away. Away on a grand, grand adventure. When Howard was 17 years old and the all-important school prom drew ever closer, he had decided to ask a young lady named Greta Hardwick to accompany him. He had admired her from afar for many years, yet when he had first asked, she simply said, Nay, lad, I've already got myself a date, in her gruff North Yorkshire (laughs) tone. Not to be perturbed, Howard waited a week and asked her again, this time presenting her with a single red rose as he did so. Art thou joking? She laughed in her gruff North Yorkshire tone. He was not. The final time he asked, Howard got down on one knee, a literal yet not literal proposal to Gretel. She relented. Perhaps she was charmed by him. Perhaps she simply pitied him. Howard would never find out. On this would go throughout Howard's life. Soon after joining the police force, Howard collared his first perp. Unfortunately, he hadn't properly cuffed the offender, who promptly gave him the slip. Ee, you daft get, you'll never catch me, shouted the perp in his gruff North Yorkshire tone as he ran away. (laughs) But did Howard give up? (laughs) He did not. Howard gave chase for several blocks through detritus-filled alleyways, dodging in and out of traffic before diving onto his quarry and making double sure that the cuffs were correctly sealed. Naturally, it didn't stop the crim escaping twice more, but with the sound of his father's gruff North Yorkshire tone in his ear and his heart, Howard persisted until he was booking his man in at the station, the satisfaction of having gotten it right in the end, after all, bringing him great pride. By the time that we arrive at the opening scene of 1994's Speed, Howard should have learned the life lessons required to successfully hold civilians hostage. Though his persistence had rewarded him in times gone by, he had seen the ways that others had gone wrong before him. There was the incident in 1986 when someone named Tom Tompkins had tried to rig an office block's elevator with explosives. Tompkins pried open the landing doors in order to place his devices and, neglecting to take care where he placed his feet, promptly fell down the empty lift shaft, screaming, Boogie! in his gruff North Yorkshire tone as he fell to his death. (laughs) Nope. That plan would simply not do for Howard. In 1992, Howard witnessed the distressing sight of the remains of a man who was very slowly run over by a bus while attempting to fit it with explosives. Although no eyewitness was able to identify the man pictorially, they did make mention of his cry of Chuffinek in a gruff North Yorkshire tone as he was pancaked onto the hot, hot tarmac. Clearly, that plan would not cut the mustard either. And so, in 1994, wearing his cheap gold watch with a tear in his eye and the voices of his dearly departed father, his first true love and numerous collars whilst pounding the beat, Howard Payne gathered his office block of hostages into the corridor of the 29th floor. He chose the highest floor in order to keep well away from lines of sight at the windows and ensuring a short run to the helicopter landing pad. 
Once in place, he would call in the hostage situation to the LAPD and execute each hostage with a bullet to the head until his demands were met. The end. (laughs) Well, as ever, I'm impressed with the respect that you afford to the the format and to the, the choices each week. I'd like to put it to you that the the bulk of your plan is actually speculation about the character's past. <laughs> but I did enjoy the numerous references to uh you know the uh gruff Yorkshire accent which the the movie skirts over. <laughs> yeah, cowards. Directorial hand waving. So if we had to put it in a nutshell, I think what you're saying is you would just be higher in the building and instead of using a bomb, you as a bomb squad expert, bomb expert, would instead shoot hostages. Okay, That's uh, the long and short of it. I feel like we could have got there a lot quicker. Yes. Could have. And uh, how would you escape from the, the building after uh, murdering several people with all the police outside? Well, as mentioned, there is a helicopter landing pad on the roof. Um, so, oh, do you have a helicopter or just a landing pad? <laughs> yes, no. Okay, you've got a helicopter. Where do you where do you get a helicopter from? That would either be part of the demands, or it would already be there. Just the building's helicopter. Can you fly a helicopter? Could you disguise <laughs> yourself as the uh, giant H on the la- helicopter landing pad until <laughs> the police go away, <laughs> like some kind of urban au naturel ad? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Can I fly a helicopter or can Howard fly a helicopter? Can your version of Howard Payne that grew up in fucking Eccles or whatever, can he fly a helicopter? Uh, yes, he can. He didn't He didn't grow up in Eccles. Uh, he grew up in LA. It's just that. Oh, it's just everyone's got a griff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, some absolutely diabolical schemes there but there can be only one winner. This week's most diabolical and host of next week's show is Ben Steinson. It was never in doubt. I'll tell you why I went with your plan. Because you hate me and Gaz. It was the only one that anyone, clearly you gave a shit about what we're doing. And uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear how long mine was? That's a gay to right? <laughs> oh, it, uh, don't don't get me wrong. It was a beautiful piece of uh, yeah. of English li- literature. Jesus Christ, it was funny. Gaz's <laughs> plan was like the bio tapestry of scripts. It was a lot of fun for me personally, but for the format of the competition, I had to just consider: does this fit the format of the competition? And after careful consideration, I thought maybe it didn't. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, and if when we considered if you're an arsehole, we thought, yeah, maybe you're. <laughs> Fair news. <laughs> I, I know. I know. There's a bit of a thing going between Turner and Craig here, yeah. like a bit of a rivalry. But I, I think this week's episode cannot be considered part of that rivalry because Turner, what you said made absolutely no fucking sense <laughs> whatsoever. What? <laughs> I was so lost. I was like, wait, what? What? That's it. see. It's such a complex plot that I had that you can keep track of it. It's like uh, it's like Inception. You need to be engaged in the layers of very plot. <laughs> see, <laughs> I can promise you faithfully, everybody, that uh, I gave as much consideration to to Turner's plot as I did, would to anybody's. 
Uh, it's bad yeah, trucking. Yeah, it's bad trucking, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I'm not fooled by it. Don't worry. I could read him like a book and not a very good book. Certainly not Bravo <laughs> 2 by Andy McNabb, which actually, in fact, gets better with every read. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that bombshell, Ben, what movie have you picked for us to treat our eyes and ears next time? I think at least two of you are going to hate me for it, but here we go. The movie I have picked for us to watch is Willow. Excellent. And it's on Disney Plus, so it's free. Yeah, I was thinking about watching it in the lead up to the series as well. So the trailer for the series looks like a lot of fun. Mm, Excellent. That's very, I think it was very, 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 very good pick. Very good. I only got one problem with Willow, and that's that I wish Keanu Reeves had played Mad Morgan instead of Val Kilmer. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a good swap. And that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you might get your podcasts from. It would also help to tell your friends in person and on social media. Help spread the word. Listening to the pod regularly has been shown to significantly increase your happiness, according to 9 out of 21 people surveyed. So, if a lifetime of future happiness is important to you, then keep listening. To catch all the latest from the Diabolical Podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod and on Facebook at Diabolical. Don't forget to join us next week when we'll be diving into the murky world of Willow. (laughs) Until next time... (laughs) Until next time, can't you just enjoy culture on your own terms? Stop gatekeeping the things you like and let other people lord or criticise whatever they want without pissing and moaning about it? Sure you can, because you're a superstar. (laughs) 